Can you hear it? Can you feel it? For the first time in 12 long, arduous years, Italy is red, motherfuckers. Milan, 19th league title, champions of Italy. Let's fucking go! Also, I should tell you that, um, you know, welcome to Ungo Podcast, blah, 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 blah. Date of recording is June 2nd, 2022. Who really gives a fuck? AC Milan are champions of Italy. Forza Milan, baby. How, just before we get, before we even play the intro music, remind me, because it's been so long since I felt anything like this, when it was, when you, the moment in that last game in Serie A, when you actually believed, like when you finally came to terms with the fact that you guys had won, just do your best to describe that feeling for me. I, I wish I could, but my mind transcended this mortal plane and I blacked out. I also was, I was, I was wrecked with COVID <laughs> this game. I can never have, even the, even the best things, I can never have properly nice. Uh, I was like, uh, the day before, I think I'd slept for 20 straight or 20 hours total. Not straight, but at least 20 hours that the, the, the Saturday before. Um, so luckily I was able to like stay conscious for the full game. And I mean, I was so amped up, but when, I mean, when, when, Giroud scored his first goal, which, surprise, surprise, was delivered expertly by Leao. I was like, okay, we might have a title race on our hands. And then when, <laughs> when Giroud scored his second goal, courtesy of expert work by Leao, I realized, oh, there is no title race. We've got it won. Well, we are going to do a full recap of AC Milan's historic Serie A win. But first... To the byline. It's in, it's in it's a gift. Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. In the, for the first time since we have started this podcast, four years ago now, actually, this is this is right around the time because this would be yeah. before normal World Cup. So this is the we'll call this episode the fourth anniversary episode of the podcast. Four years ago, we started this podcast, and for my team in those four years, Manchester United zero trophies have been won, and Milan got a cup or two. Gattuso won one cup. Yep. And it was the super, the Italian Super Cup, Counts. and and that's usually played played by the the title of the of the season and the winner of the domestic cup. Although we only qualified for it because uh, that that was both Juventus that year. So the the the, the final the, the finalist that lost to to Juve in the domestic cup got the Super Cup place. Um, and that win was played in the middle of the season in Doha because Syria is just trying to grab that bag. So first, first title won domestic soil, and first title that actually means something. Right, 
the first title of for the Own Goal Podcast family. And I said it. I said it last episode. I, I knew it was coming. I had a feeling. I think we can be fair. I think I, ha- I had a pretty idea this was going to happen by about March because AC Milan were starting to do things that championship teams do, and championship teams win a lot of games one zero. They do find, find ways to win. Yeah. If, if you look at if you look at soccer, and you look at cha- like. I bet you this would statistically play out, but if you look at teams that win domestically titles, because it is a lot easier to get good matchups in a cup and get hot in a cup than yeah. it is to be consistent for 38 games or in the Bundesliga, like 34 games throughout a season. But so many of those games are just won 1-0, where your offense does just enough. And good defense and great goaltending are the hallmark of most title-winning teams in soccer. And... I would say that AC Milan had both of those things this year. And it was just awesome to watch. Awesome to watch Pioli get the lot he deserves. Obviously very happy for you. It was just his his first his first like senior team title as a as a manager. Yeah. It was just um it was awesome. It was awesome. And to do and to do it over the the, the inner city rivals too. That is uh that's the chef's kiss. That is the and, and I mean the because as we all know, I am a I'm less a human and more a machine fueled mostly by spite. The fact that Kalanoglu finished second place last year <laughs> left the team to for free to the biggest one of the biggest rivalries in all of sport. Mm. Just, just went and immediately started trash talking his old teammates. Mm. And then he and that team finished second. That's it, 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 it's well. well they they call him Cuck and Ugly now. They 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 actually call him a lot of uh yeah. Ibra and the parade led a citywide chant that was basically like "fuck that bastard." <laughs> um, he 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 grabbed like the mic and was like, uh, "Milan, do you have anything to say to Kalanoglu?" and the like several guys in the bus, and then all the fans started chanting it. Uh, you could see like Layout and uh, and Calabria like cracking up laughing, and they the three of them used to be really close friends before he dipped. So you know, good spicy rivalry, um, and and also to kind of take a more magnanimous view of all this, good for Italian soccer that three champions in the last three seasons, and especially last year and this year being the two Milan clubs who you know. Inter until last year were were have been in in the, the wilderness, lost in the dark, just about as as long and severe as Milan had been. Um, but it, it's an interesting state of of soccer as is today. That probably less than two hours after the the the, the title was secured, I was already getting some slight panic attacks over. Okay, we're gonna lose Leao on a free, or he's gonna leave. Uh, we've got so much that we have to bolster if we want to a continue, you know, tr- to go for this, the 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 second star to get the Scudetto two years in a row, and b actually launch a competitive campaign in Europe. Oh my God, we're so far off the the pace of Europe. Like we're not gonna be competitive in the Champions League for several seasons. Uh, we may never be, considering that we don't have the the, the money and finances. And this is all happening like in less than three hours. And I know I'm a sick, twisted, sad little man. So it's not necessarily <laughs> the the way everybody approaches it, but just the fact that like 
even just after my first bout of happiness as a, as a soccer fan in 12 years, that was one of my initial gut reactions. I think says something about the state of, of, of the game globally. Yeah, I, I think um, those are all very good points. And I think, but you know what? I'll say this. I think even the mighty PSG, and we'll get into this a little bit later, has to worry about who have all the money in the world. They have to worry about losing talent. I think. Yeah. My, 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 my counter there is when they lo- worry about losing talent, they know that they can. You know, they might not be able to get any single player they want, but if they like have four names, they know that one of them will accept a bag big enough that they can offer that they can at least get one of those four, you know, names. Sure, sure. And and that's not a luxury provided to, you know, outside of four or five club five clubs globally. Sure. And our boys aren't in that that echelon. Sure. Your your boys your boys, if they can get back into Champions League, I think with the bag you can throw and the prestige that you that you that the club has, you can be back at punching weight with those guys, right? I mean, you can offer them as much money as most of these competitions. It's just they're not gonna they're not gonna take the Europa League. They don't want nobody wants to play on fucking Thursdays. What prestige do you think Manchester United has? I was with you a little bit, and then you said the prestige. I don't know the only the- uh, the only. Premier League team to do the European and domestic uh, league double, and they've done it twice, and they're the only one to ever do it. Uh, I think there's a treble somewhere in, in one of those two, but like you can correct me if I'm wrong there, Donald. Uh, I think there's a lot of prestige. It's just it's 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 covered in a lot of dirt and dust right now. No, it's covered in a lot of shit. But we'll get to there when we get there. Um, what I think Milan have going for them is you're back in Europe. You're back in proper Europe. And and and. We're in pot one next season. Yeah, you're so not going to get fucked seeding. Well, you're still well, going to get we, fucked. But. We, we could, but like we we at least will avoid a group of PSG, Man City, what was it, the Benfica win their title this year, Bayern, Bayern Munich. You know, we, we get to avoid, and, and then obviously Real Madrid. So we, we get to avoid some pretty fucking heavy hitters. Yeah. Um, you know, we still will probably get we're going to get one of obviously one of the English teams. Hopefully it'll be Tottenham, but probably not. Um, but what I'm saying is, you know, Milan is a good city to live in. Everyone likes it. That's true. You guys are champions again. So you, so you're, you get to sell being a champion. You have a coach who's obviously very good. I, obviously, yes, there's, you got to worry. You're always going to worry about losing guys to, other clubs and guys chasing the bag, but you know, I think there's a lot more positive that's also going to come out for it because I do think that there's going to be talent that Milan can now acquire that it maybe couldn't acquire before they won it, this most recent title, and I mean that with all due respect. Yeah, you know, and that's very plausible. And, and there's a big unknown though, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, which is that I think there's been preliminary agreement officially signed for Redbird Capital to purchase. Milan from Elliot, the hedge fund uh, management company, which had been running us since our uh, uh, ill-fated overlord defaulted on his predatory loan. So uh, that's also the fact that like we did this on a on a strict like we've been operating a strict budget, both wage and transfer, for these past couple of years. 
Uh, so that's been fascinating. But like now we, we also, we just don't know, right? Like Leao's asking for a 6.57 mil. Everybody in the project agrees he's worth it. Um, but is it, are, are the is the pocketbook going to open up, right? Well, also, uh, to pay Peter, you got to rob Paul, right? So if, if you're going to – yeah, layout's definitely worth it. But then, okay, you may not be able to – you may have to skim off a million and a half, two million on someone else who maybe doesn't deserve that. And yep. No, I get yep. it. It's going to be interesting. So, but so that, I, let's focus on the season that y'all just had, though. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not good at, at looking at the positives. I know. I know. Let's uh, – Rafael Leal, I remember – couple of years ago in a Europa League game, Milan was playing, and I watched him play, and I remember texting him, and I was like, dude, I, I, this Leal guy can be an absolute stud. And what a stallion he turned into. The Serie A MVP. Just, I mean, he is just one of the top wingers in the game right now. You know what's you know cool, too? Is, we, we often discuss about how, like, and sometimes on the pod, but often off the pod, how the the modern fan, the modern critic, the modern whatever overvalues goals scored. Yeah, goals and assists are overvalued as an overall metric. And, and I mean, layout layout definitely had some solid uh, you know assists, especially in the late late part of the season. But he finished the campaign with eleven goals. I think um, Immobile won the Golden Boot with twenty seven goals. Right, so. I thought it was really cool to see Leao get the MVP with 11 goals and only 8 assists because the goals and assists that he provided were some of the most A, clutch goals, B, electric performances. I mean, I don't know. I don't off the top of my hand how many, but I think at least half of those involvements, he was at least double, double covered on either his goal or his assist. And, and that goes into the story that goals and assists don't tell you. So many times, Leal shifted space for Milan, and whether he whether he even had to touch the ball in that play, this is why goals and assists just don't tell the full story. Because if you watch, and I've watched a lot of Milan this year, you obviously watch more than me, but there are times where his presence creates so much space. In addition to, I guarantee you he had at least, at least eight secondary assists, which is not, which are not tracking soccer. Yeah. But I would guarantee you he also had a lot eight of those. And even those don't tell the full story because running at guys and being direct with your wing play tires out defenders. It's the hardest thing to defend. I would actually argue he might not have that many secondary assists, although uh, Teo had six assists and they're on the same side. So it is possible that a lot of the times Teo is getting the ball from Leao before dishing them off. That's possible. Uh, But I think his bigger impact too is the whole right side of the attack in the middle is oftentimes getting being opened up because if you don't put two people on layout from the start, then if he's just one, he's building enough speed to when the double team comes, it's no longer a double team because the other guy has already been beat. Uh, and we saw that with some triple teams in the, the, final quarter of the season when Milan ripped off an 11-game uh, unbeaten streak. And not only that, but then you double-team layout and you still got to worry about Teo Hernandez. Yeah. Um, or, or or if you're not stealing from, you know, your your wing, you're bringing in a center back and now you're asking your other center back to guard Giroud one-on-one. And, yeah. like, that's where I think a lot of those assists come through. But, so layout unquestionably 
makes sense as a choice for the MVP, the Serie A MVP player of the season. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I, I would I would call him the MVP of our season, but it's not undisputed. And Leao had 11 goals. That was tied for the team lead with Giroud. So we like the, we did not score a lot of goals. But not only did the defense play outside of their GD mind, Big Mike Manyan. Holy, what a signing! Probably, I would say, across all of the big league, all the top five leagues, the signing of the of the last transfer window. If you look at what the end result was, the end and the situation that preceded it, right? Yeah, Milan had just let a generational goalkeeper walk on a free. A a a, a player who was raised by the club, right? A, a European a, champion with his as country. youth as youth a product as he could be at the club, uh, walked. And try to come back when he didn't get the offers that he that they thought he'd get. And Maldini was like, "Oh, sorry, we already signed your replacement. Like, it, it was nice working with you. Good luck in all your future endeavors." Phone hung up, and we actually not only so not only did we save like cut reduce our goalkeeper wage by half, we ended up with a goalie who performed better across all I think every single metric this season than Donnarumma did in either of his last two seasons at Milan. The biggest travesty in all of this is that Mike Mignon should be the starter for France, and I don't even think it, I don't even think it's a debate. For me, I do not think it's a debate. I agree. Um, you know, it's... And, and you know, I think, who, who, it was Jurgen who used to say this, like, uh, people... And he used to say it about people in America, but it's also, I think, a thing with national teams a lot. Uh, people often reward... Uh, like legends and big time players for past performances, not investing in what their fu- what their current or future performances hold. Right, it's hard to bench your captain, especially when he's a World Cup winning captain. Yeah, World uh, Cup winning captain who led in two goals in the final yeah. and his offense scored four. No, I know. I, I, I'm just. I, I think he'll have those gloves for another two years. I agree uh, that he will. I just think it's because bullshit he, because he had a dip with with Tottenham and. Then the World Cup happened, and he's regained his club form pretty well. Not phenomenally, but pretty well. Uh, but I, I, I agree that I think Mike's, I think Mike is one of the, like one of the three best goalies in the world right now, performance wise. Um, but he will have the gloves for France. It's just he should also, have them. I'd point out that Loris also got. Um, uh, look at how France just did at the Euros. Yeah, with Loris as captain and goalie, I. I'm just saying, obviously, I would do so much different with that France, France team than um, Didier Deschamps De does, but it, that's just a travesty to me in general because it's like, it's when you when you're the best player in your position, you should fight, you should play for your national team. I mean that that is that is the pride yeah. of being yeah, the best but, player but, from your country in your position. Like, Deschamps still doesn't doesn't have Taylor Hernandez as an automatic starter. That's also just stupid. And he's he could be playing right now as a top three left back in the world. He is a top three left back in the world. Like, so he's a top a, he's a top two left back in the world. <laughs> I'm not arguing. Um, 
so like I said though, I think Mike is he has to you have to have a debate even if everybody agrees unanimously that Leia is the player of the season. You have to have a debate to discuss Mike For because sure. you know form did dip when Mike injured his wrist and we lost him for a month. Although Cipron uh, Tetsurosanu did play well enough to keep the ship afloat, um, and then also part of why layout gets it over Mike is there were times where our offense was anemic, uh, no creativity outside of layout. Mike was always playing uh, behind a strong defense. Teo really, really improved his defensive ability this season so much. Like, not nearly as many goals. Uh, maybe the, around the same number of assists. Same but... similar number of assists. Dip down on the goals, but worth it for the defensive production. I'll tip it, tip it to every day. And then Calabria had some ups and downs, especially with like fighting COVID and injuries, uh, but defensively played really solid most of the way through. And then, you know, Kier in the first half of the season was a stalwart. You know, he kind of came off of the, the Euros as a hero for the way that he organized and kind of helped with the Christian Eriksen, you know, medical concern and he just kind of continued that into incredible play uh alongside at first Romagnoli and then Fikayo Tamori stepped in and then and it was more most it was like Kier was marshalling that back line and, and bringing Fik up and then Kier tears his ACL and we're like well that sucks but we got Romagnoli Romagnoli gets hurt and then fucking Pierre Kalulu who we paid 500,000 euros for Kalulu uh, and were excellent and, not only plays so well in Romeo's injury absence, permanently releg is the second second center back to come in off the bench this season and relegate Romagnoli to a bench position. I mean, I just thought that I thought all in all, because Feek played the most, he was probably the most important of the center backs that we had. But all four of them were critical in in their own right, uh, and the fact that they were all performing so well does take some of the luster of Magnon's MVP, team MVP campaign away. Okay. I think the most important part of this Serie A title is that we have to re- review the uh, bald manager power rankings. Well, well, real quick before that, I do want to just give a special shout out to Sandro Tonali. That guy is uh, as a, a Milanista, Milanista like through and through from as a child. Uh, called Gattuso personally to ask permission to wear the number eight jersey. That's how much he reveres the the club and the team. Took a pay cut uh, this year because his loan performance last year wasn't that great and had a fucking incredible second season. So just shout out to my boy. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. Final. <laughs> Any with it. Final ball pan- manager power rankings of the season. Number one, Pioli. Number two, Carlo Ancelotti with a shaved head. <laughs> Number three, Zidane. Okay. Number four, Sean Dyke. I that was I I, I didn't know where you're going with two and three, but I was like, Piola's gonna be one and Dyke better be four because they stay up if they if they keep him. Number five, Pep. Yeah, yeah, yeah he did win the title. Number six. Sean Dyke is the right time. The Pep is incredible. And he doesn't have a job. But you know, as we're, as we're like, a job and his team got relegated. Uh, number six, Eric Ten Hag. Number seven, Bob Bradley. 
Number eight, any bald person who happens to coach soccer at any level. Any level, yeah. And at the very, very bottom, Greg Berhalter. <laughs> so that is the final bat bald manager power oh, rankings. And with a quick tangent there on the note of Greg Berhalter, we do know that the U.S. did just play Morocco last night. Uh, we're going to reconvene after, like, like sometime next week after we played the Uruguay friendly and some stuff, and we'll go into kind of a deep dive on the U.S. those two U.S. friendlies, the state of the U.S. talent pool, where we see you know things moving towards uh, November, as well as just like some stuff on U.S. Soccer Federation. We'll be giving the own goal podcast State of the Union, basically. Yeah, yeah, um, but it, not the fullback union. Yeah, that's a different different union. Too many unions. I just uh, forgot the the the, the uh, our podcast listeners are not in the group me. Ah, Wait, so I don't think any of them really know what the fullback union is, but that's okay. And so, like we said, AC Milan deserve a champions of Syria with Inter, Napoli, and Juve filling out the top four. Good, yeah, good um, I mean, anything I, else on this you want to say? Just that, like, that's a. That that's a that that looks like a proper par- list of participants for Champions League from Italy. Yeah, nothing against you know Atalanta has done really well in recent years. So Atalanta and Lazio have probably been the best beneficiaries of the fall of of the the teams from Milan. Um, but this is really what what we want to see represented in the European continent. So, yeah, well said. Very exciting season. Uh, looking forward to the transfers and who everyone's going to be linked with. I've, I've seen um, reports that Juve and Pogba have already hammered out a three-year deal to bring him back. So yep. everyone's going to start um, getting reinforcements ready to go. We haven't done the news in a while, but boy, do we have some stories for you. <laughs> I will start with the first one. So... Jao Felix has been in a relationship with Megui Crisero for about three years, and she is incredibly attractive. How do you spell that first name? M-A-G-U-I C-O-R-C-E-I-R-O. Got it. So she's a Portuguese actress. Yes. Jao Felix is also Portuguese. According to the internet. They've been together three years. This last couple of weeks, there have been an insane amount. <laughs> Eric is. <laughs> Eric, no comment. No comment. Saw a great picture of her. So they've been together for three years. Last couple of weeks, there have been stories about her having an affair with sporting Lisbon right back and fellow Portuguese international, who has a great name, by the way, Pedro Poro. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to tell me uh, she was having an affair with John Terry. <laughs> that would have been. Really, really funny. And probably also that too. Um, so basically, there's been a uh, couple of images of Poro giving Magui his shirt after a game that have sparked some rumors, followed by allegations that the pair were seen kissing at a nightclub. This is a tough look for everybody involved. Now, this is my favorite part. Um, 
So Jao Felix's girlfriend basically denied it, saying that she is very good friends with Poro, and the situation has gotten out of control. We kiss on the mouth sometimes. That's how good of friends we are. The situation has gotten out of control. Yeah, when you're when people are saying you guys are making out at nightclubs, it seems the situation's got out of control. And the worst part is, I thought Jao Felix had actually such a good end to the season, his yeah. second half of the year for Atletico. He didn't need to be dealing with this bullshit. Can I can I tell you something that's gonna piss you off? Yeah. He just feels to me like a player that, that belongs at United. Because he got cocked. <laughs> no. I've I think I've felt I've I've felt for so long that him going to Atletico is a waste of his talents. Because it's just not a I mean, he's had a great season, he plays he's played well for them, but like he I think he could be doing so much more. And I'm not saying that United in their current form is going to empower him to do so much more. I just, I'm not trying to like, I know you're taking some ricochets here, and I'm not trying to do that. I just think that the the attack, attack, attack chance, you know, by the fans of Old Trafford cheering their team on, he's that kind of player that I think would thrive in that environment. I think an idyllic United, he would thrive. And it just always felt like he should have gone there instead of going to Atletico Madrid. And that was kind of before United have gotten to where you are today. <laughs> I mean, damn. I took some ricochet shots in that. I don't think... Well, at a certain point... Ricochets, the rest at, at a certain blanks. point, there was no more ricochets. You were just directly shooting at me. Yeah. Well... Uh, this next story breaks my heart because this is a woman very, very dear to all of us. It also just confounds me. So as most, even non-soccer fans know this, such as my wife, Shakira has been married to Gerard Piquet, center back at Barcelona, for a number of years. They have a beautiful family together. Widely reported that Gerard Piquet is now living solo in an apartment in Barcelona because he cheated on Shakira, a woman whose lips literally do not lie. Hips. Or hips. Hips. What did I say? Lips. Well, PK's lips were lying when he was telling yeah. her he wasn't dicking down other girls. I mean... This is just absurd. It's just... It was... They seemed such a wholesome couple. He seemed, you know, I hate Barcelona, but of all the guys on Barcelona, he was probably the one I hated the least. Now he's the one I not, hate the second yeah, most. Not, it's amazing how quickly you can go to the other end of the spectrum. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's just, it, it, the reports are that not only is he living, uh, you know, in a par- an apartment by himself in Barcelona, but like he's frequenting the nightclubs with Ricky Puig. <laughs> Isn't Ricky Puig like 19? Dude, he, yeah, he's. I mean, I think he's. I think he's sub twenty. Isn't PK like thirty five? Dude, I think he's got to be the guy that brings earplugs into the nightclub. Because <laughs> he's too loud. Yeah. That's just. This is just a heartbreaking story for Shakira. I love Shakira. She didn't deserve I, this. I think. I think she should like hit up uh, some of of his team teammates DMs on like you want you want to go on a date. Uh, not even like. Not even, like, you know, saying she should be, like, sleeping around to get back at him. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. She's fucking Shakira. But just, like, go to dinner with, with, with a couple of his teammates, you know, one-on-ones, just to, like, dig it in. Because I don't care how good of teammates they are. 
Shakira asks them out, they're going to be like, yeah. She should ask Shabby out. Because he's a former teammate for club and country and his coach. So technically his boss. And there's no way he doesn't love Shakira. Dude, no. She should go out with Kareem Benzema instead. (laughs) (laughs) Because he plays for the most bitter rival. Oh, that's the the ultimate timeline. Okay. Poor Kate knows this. (laughs) She She should just speed date people that would just really piss PK off. I just feel bad for Shakira at all of this, truthfully. She's a nice lady. Okay. Alright, John, you're gonna have to own this next one because, like, (laughs) I don't know this story and I don't... I I literally just Googled this this woman's name and my internet was like, um, do you want to turn on safe search because you may get some responses that you're not comfortable with. Okay. Okay. So we missed this story. This came out in October. This And I cannot believe we missed this story. But So Lana Rhodes, who I am aware of through TikTok, is also... She's an, adult, she's an adult film star is what the internet is telling me. Is also an adult film actress. I am personally not familiar with any of her work. I have never seen any of her work. I am only know her through TikTok. So back in September, October, she hinted at... A soccer player sliding in her DMs. And everyone, like, she's like, oh, a famous one. And they're like, oh, who is it? She's like, no, I don't want to, like, embarrass him. You know, yada, yada. But, you know, he had, like, 43 million or whatever it was followers on Instagram. Well, people look pretty quickly. And the number of followers matched exactly what Gareth Bale had on Instagram. (laughs) So Gareth Bale... Who's like, I think Lana Rhodes is pretty young, which explains well, why I'm not familiar Google, with her work. I had, I had to look her up to figure out who the fuck she was. She is currently 25 years old. Okay, Gareth Bale's like, what, 31? 34? Oh, fuck, yeah, maybe he is that old. I always think of her older than they are, though, so, like, it, I could be way off. He's 32 years old, so, so I Okay, I just, I like this story. It's just funny. I really wish we could get a screenshot of what his opening move was. Because it definitely had to be something about balls and holes because he likes golf so much. Yeah, I, um, I, I bet you, well, it, he had probably mentioned golf, probably mentioned whales, and I can't imagine there was anything else important enough to him that he would have mentioned, right? <laughs> definitely wouldn't have brought up Madrid at all. No. Um, also, I think he officially is out of contract. He is. I'm interested to see where he's going to go. Premier League would be fun. Championship would be most fun. I mean, yes. Go sign for like a Welsh team in the in the championship. Or if he is, yeah, go play for Cardiff. If um if he is going to come to the Premier League, come to like join Fulham. Or go, Brentford. Brentford, join. Like like yeah. like there, you know, I bet you Christian Eriksen leaves. I bet you he'll get an offer you know from another team in the Premier League uh, for more money. Probably take the bag. It, I, I, I don't. I mean, we already saw him go back to Tottenham, and like there were times where it worked, and there were times where yeah. it didn't. I, I agree. Or, like, go to Crystal Palace. Or, I don't know, shake it the fuck up. I agree. Go I to Leeds. Oh, with your with our boy Brendan Aronson, who just got signed with Leeds for a $30 million deal. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where Gareth Bell goes. Brendan Aronson to, uh, oh, to uh, Leeds, who stayed up, which we'll get to, like I said they would. Let's talk uh, about the Mbappe deal. Okay. 
So, wow. I mean, it's been widely reported for like the, before this entire season that Mbappe was going to Real Madrid on a free. I thought like, it was a dumb deal. Everybody, I think, accepted it as truth. With the exception of, I think, two parties. PSG kept fighting, kept digging and clawing, and they finally produced a bat literally bigger than the fucking Eiffel Tower. Yeah, this deal is insane. Not only do you get a 100 million euro signing bonus, he's going to have a 50 million euro salary. He was instrumental in getting Luis Campos, his friend from his Monaco days as sporting director, to replace Leonardo. And, and they're giving him a lot of influence in decision-making in managers and player recruitment. I, I mean, I think, yes, Luis Campos is the sporting director, but I kind of think it's... it's I, think, I think he's a front. I'm pretty sure... I mean, what you just described, player player and personnel uh, influence, that's basically sporting director. Yeah, he's a shadow. He, he Mbappe's the shadow sporting director. He's the real sporting director. Yeah. Uh, Louis Campos is just his puppet. I mean, yeah, he's getting... Um, uh, yeah, I, I read that, that with bonuses, too, not including the signing bonus, but like that 50 million... Sorry, my dog is going crazy here. Uh, Oz, but we got to come down. I know, I know. Oz, right. Oz is just really, really excited about Mbappe changing the entire landscape of player power. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if he, if Ozzy understands numbers, uh, let alone numbers that big. So it could get up to three hundred million uh, over three years. So it could end up averaging a hundred million a year, not including that a hundred million dollar signing bonus or euro signing bonus. So like it, it could even be bigger than what's like official. Uh, but obviously I think even beyond the money, the, like the biggest thing is that player power. And other stars of his caliber in the future are going to expect something similar. That's the thing. As soon as a precedent is like, this is set, there'll be other expectations. Yeah, and meanwhile, Erling Holland, who like, I feel like we've been comparing Holland and Mbappe for the last couple of years, he's signing for what is it, four hundred thousand pounds a week? Yeah, the city. No surprise I, there. It's where his dad played. No, but I meant like that's the size of what he's accepting is to be level with KDB on wages. That's it. What I think is, you know, a lot of people. I think we're critical of this decision by Mbappe, you know, saying, you know, he should he needed to move to a better league than the league on, you know, he wasn't mm-hmm. produce and develop. I have a couple of things I would actually clap back against that. Number one, above all else, and I and I say this a lot about sports in general, you ha you are in a job where you can physically do it for a very short amount of time and your, your window prime, is so small. Your prime is even shorter too. Like in yeah. my job, I pro- I don't even have the experience to have entered my prime. Yeah. yeah. So I, I will never begrudge a guy from getting the bag. But number two, people don't realize this. When this deal is done, he's going to be 26. 26. He still will have his he'll, true prime. He'll be entering his prime when this deal is done. Exactly. And, and to go back to your first point, like this is like basically getting to generational wealth level. Yeah. So he's not only setting himself up. Like Once this deal is, is through... He could walk from. He won't. He won't. But he could walk from the game. He could never work in a day in his life, and he'll be fine. His great grandkids will be fine. And his, and yes, and his families down the line will be fine too. And like, yeah, how do you how do you walk from that? Yeah, 
and, 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 and yeah, like so. Another thing, Real Madrid just won the Champions League. PSG have never won the Champions League. Wouldn't it be cool to be like, like think about? I mean, it's hard for us because we've supported you know historically prestigious teams, but a team that you that you like or support. Think about what if you could be the person to lead them to the greatest trophy that has eluded them for their entirety as a club. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I actually think this and deal if, is good for him. Yeah, and if these if it doesn't work out these three years, deuces. Deuces, I go, got a go, lot of money go. and I may be able to take less for my next club. And, and Real will be there in three years. Oh yeah. Dude, you you never get away from Flo Perez. He always gets his way. So yeah, it's I don't love it. I don't love the fact that they can offer this. Right, going back to like what I was talking about, uh, the top of the of the pod with just the state of the global game, especially financially. It's talking about an, an, uh, a like this sending a rift of Im- imbalance in the force. Um, so not not great from that sense, but only a hypocrite would would begrudge any individual from accepting this kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, with that, should we just kind of give a quick recap of what happened in the uh, leagues, and then we can dive back, we can end in with the Champions League? Yeah. Premier League. Wow, was that an exciting last day. What a really fun end. And, and from the top to the bottom was really fun. Um, I know, you know, we've got a, a group text kind of going on with some people. And most people were watching, you know, the two Liverpool and Man Man City games to see how the title played out. I didn't watch a single minute of those on the final day. I was watching the uh, Burnley and the Leeds games because, you know, I, I wanted to see if Jesse Marsh could keep uh, Leeds up. And I didn't need to see either Man City or uh, uh, Liverpool celebrate. I cannot not begrudge you that. The fact that you could choose either of those options and watch games that came down to the wire on all fronts and had dire consequences for all parties involved is phenomenal. So let's start at the bottom. And now we hear. You and I... The last time we did this, five weeks ago, we said that we both agreed Leeds would be safe. Yep. I said Everton would be safe. Uh huh. You said Burnley would be safe. Yes. And here we are, five weeks later. Mostradamus is back. Um, yeah. Everton. You can call bullshit, but I was I was trying to reverse E Gates eighty four jinx Everton. I, I actually not. won't call bullshit on that. I won't call bullshit because I believe that. That is something that sounds like something you would do because it sounds like something I would do. <laughs> so I, I won't call bullshit. I'll believe that. I've always had a soft spot for Everton, and like at the end of the day, I did truly believe Leeds would stay up. They ended up being way more dire situation no, than Everton. The one did. I was really worried about is, of course, the ones we, the one we both agree on. We yeah. we acted like Leeds was a sure thing. I remember the way. Because like, as it was kind of getting close for them, I was like, man, Gates and I were like, acted as if it wasn't even a question. Like, where the fuck did we get off having that kind of confidence? Because we knew. We knew, Donald. Dude, I think we just, I mean, we're gonna, we got to support our countrymen. Yeah. 
Um, so, but it, it was coming on the wire. Yeah. Of those were the three, those three teams were fighting for two safety spots. Um, and Everton actually pulled out some pretty solid, strong results down the wire to be safe before the final day. Yes. Let's talk about that game against Crystal Palace. And the app, okay, so first ha- thing that happens is Crystal Palace go up 2 0, and it's just like Frank as the I Tank, think, baby. As I think everybody, everybody anticipated. Like that, that was not a shocker that Palace went up to a, a massive lead. What was a shocker is the three goal comeback by Everton, and then something I have never seen on that scale about 120 fans stormed the field when there was like. Still, like, five minutes ten, plus off minutes, time. Yeah. Seven minutes left or something. That was insane. That was ridiculous. I was, I was flying. Do you remember that, Donnie? Yes. I was, I was on a plane, so I couldn't watch it. And you started texting me, like, the fans are on the field. And, and I'm like, this doesn't make sense because five minutes ago you told me we still had, like, like, 12 minutes left. No, I know. And then I kept trying to send you pictures, and you're like, I can't get pictures. <laughs> and I I've, was, got like, I've got, like, four photos that just said, like, could not load. <laughs> like, dude, I don't, I, I'm sure it's crazy, but I don't see it. So that was nuts. Then, you know, they get everyone off. They finish the game. There's like 12 minutes of stoppage time. <laughs> it, I will say there is something really funny. Obviously, storming the field like that, not cool. But there is something funny about stoppage time being like an absurdly high number. Dude. That will always I, make me giggle. And honestly... Justice would have been served if Palace had equalized during that because the Everton fans stormed the field prematurely. 1,000%. Then the full-time whistle goes. Then the Everton fans really start storming the field. <laughs> like, if we thought it was bad before, then... Yeah, like, and this one fan was, like, like antagonizing Patrick Vieira. Yeah. He fucking kicked the guy. <laughs> kicked him. And, like, people were outraged that, like, Vieira shouldn't have lost his cool. And I'm like... You just said to this man's like dojo, and and like he has every right to protect himself and his staff and players. Not only that, but the only people who would say that are people who never watched Patrick Vieira play. <laughs> this is this was what the millionth time Patrick Vieira's kicked somebody on a soccer field before. This is I, not I a remember, surprise to me. I don't remember if it was you or if it was our our, our good friend Evan uh, who said. It was really fitting to to see Patrick Vieira go from kicking Everton players as a as a player to kicking Everton fans as a manager. I think that was Evan. So, so Everton were good going into the last um, last the season. So it was really big town between Burnley and our beloved Leeds. Leeds were playing at Brentford. So I know a uh, wait. Um, yeah. No, they played at Brentford. You're right. Brentford. Okay. Whew. And um, Burnley had to play at Bloodcastle. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And um, Bloodcastle went up on a penalty with a lead. Uh, like in those games, that was the first change to the scoreline. Yep. So already Leeds, you know, Leeds had a, had a, a bit of breathing room. Although Leeds had to better the result than you know points wise uh, than Burnley. So if Burnley had won. It wouldn't have mattered. Leeds had to just either win and have them draw, or draw and have Burnley lose. So that one nothing scoreline and zero zero scoreline was working for Leeds, but also still made it pretty risky because one equalizer or one goal in on their end, and they're going down. Yeah. Um, 
And luckily for Leeds, Newcastle ended up pulling it out on a Caleb Wilson double. But Jack Harrison had a late, late winner for Leeds to just kind of add some dramatic flair to it all. Yeah, and, and you know, I think they're, they're, if I'm not mistaken, Burnley grabbed a goal back, right, uh, on Newcastle? Yes, they did. So so there was a point where it's like, okay, is this a little bit risky now, right? We're, we're in, you're in one-goal territory where if, if, if you don't win it, like, you're screwed. So um, that Jack Harrison goal was pretty fucking dramatic and, and really did seal the deal. And also, I always like to see these teams in these uh, relegation battles, you know, even if their their win didn't matter, right? A draw would have done it at the end. Mm-hmm. Winning that game, winning that final game shows that you're kind of taking some control of your destiny. I, I like to see that. Yeah. Feels, feels less lucky than earned. Right. And as a result, Leeds stayed up and... Brendan Aronson has joined Leeds United. He's in the Premier League. Welcome to the Premier League, BA. And he has joined Jesse Marsh, and that's all wonderful, exciting things. Can I make a quick update? You may make an update. With the exception of one or two potential rumors, next season I will be supporting as my primary Premier League team, Leeds United. It's big. The, The potential that could change that. And I, I don't know if it will. I'm just saying it could. There's some rumblings that, you know, Juventus are trying to bring Pogba in. They also on a free, but for, for a big salary. And then they want to bring in some other players, especially in the midfield, that if a, if a high enough offer from McKinney comes, they will sell him to make wage and transfer budget room. And the rumors are Conte is, is a fan. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why do you think it's okay to hate Jedi Robinson? I mean, it's been known for many, many years here that Weston McKinney is no, my no, no, favorite no, no, no. U.S. men's national team player. That's and not because, my, I don't take issue with the Weston McKinney choice. Yeah, why I take I going, issue with the Brendan Aronson choice over it, because it's because in, in here, I mean, there's two reasons. One, it's two is greater than one. Jesse Marsh plus Brendan Aronson. That's two. And the other reason, I don't want to step on your toes, Donnie. You are... You, well, you wait, own... hold on. Your first argument's out the window because Timmy Ream plays for Fulham. No, no. We're talking about, like, relevant U.S. F- international figures. The, the union is irate. <laughs> no, I don't want to step on your toes, right? You own uh, the Jedi Robinson corner, and I would never infringe on that. Come on, Donnie. Wouldn't you feel like uh, it, it? Wouldn't you seem like it's a little fucked if I had decided to declare that Fulham was my primary team next season and was like stepping on your toes on like the Fulham watch and updates and and the sharing the the Jedi news and, and updates? Come on, you you feel a little peeved. You feel you feel you, you you wouldn't be happy. I'm doing this for us. You're supporting. This- uh, you're, you're, you're supporting a Man U rival. I'm sorry, I cannot stand for this. Oh yeah, but like, come on. I'd also like to announce that unfortunately, I will be also supporting Manchester United as my primary team next year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Let me be clear. I have now decided that I will not be having children either because I don't think it's fair for me to bring children into this <laughs> fantasy. I just. 
it wouldn't be a really responsible choice of me. You could argue that would be da- child endangerment. Yeah, the CPS will take the kids from me the first time they have to wake up at 6.30 to watch Manchester United lose to fucking Brentford. <laughs> well, that's kind of how things at the bottom shook out. Yeah, do you want to move to the top? Well, no, I want to add in that as Fulham and Burnmouth will be uh, joining in the Premier League and Nottingham uh, Forest. Welcome back to the Premier League. It's been a while since we've had you. They had some exhilarating... Knocked out quite a few um, Premier League teams in the Cup, including um, including Manchester United. And we've got Ethan Horvath is the backup goalie who actually had a pretty decent stint of time uh, in in the fir- like first position spot when their key- their primary keeper Samba picked up an injury. I think like two thirds way through the year, performed really well for them. Uh, from the metrics, it like it looked like uh, from dis- uh, combo of dis- distribution and shot stopping. Horvath was the second top performer in the entire league ahead of Samba, but that's, you know, whatever. Um, So we'll have three next year, three national team keepers, all as backups in the Premier League. Unless, of course, like Zach Steffen will make a move, which after that blunder in uh, the domestic cup, see that happening. Maybe Arsenal will, will, will loan out Matt Turner. And then there's also possible that Nottingham Forest could sell Samba, right? They'll they'll obviously they're going to get a big influx of cash, so they won't have to sell too much. But like there there could be some movement there if they get a good offer from him and feel decent about uh, Horvath, which I think he proved himself. We're not not guaranteed that we won't be seeing one of those keepers playing primary minutes, but right now it doesn't look likely. Yeah. Um. Okay. The story at the top. Tottenham secured that fourth Champions League spot. What a job by Conte at Tottenham. I, mean, that, I, mean, that's, I think it's I, – I'd say all credit goes to Conte, but, I mean, it's Conte and a few others, mainly, I think, Son. Son, who scored – shared the golden boot with Mo Salah, scored 23 goals, uh, and zero – Donnie, Donnie how, how, many, how many penalties were contributed to those 23 goals? None, which is why he, in my eyes, is the sole golden boot winner. He should be the sole Golden Boot winner, and I think he should be the runner-up on player of the season in the league behind Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. And Sonny wasn't even nominated for PFA Player of the Year. Well, that's fucking stupid. That's, I mean, that's a fucking farce. <laughs> what, 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 Salah have like nine pins or something to hit his yeah. 23 to play? Seven or nine or something like that? Seven to nine sounds right because he's the primary penalty taker yeah. for um, his club. And he's damn good at it. But he like... Is. Come on. I do have to say something. This very, very much pains me. But after this, based on this season's of work, Harry King was not Tottenham's primary (laughs) goal scorer. Technically, Son was their primary goal scorer, which is a good lesson in soccer. You can have a terrible take like Eric, but if you sit on it long enough, eventually it will I be I never true. conceded. I never backed down. <laughs> no, and I brought I brought this up. In f- Vindication. <laughs> um, okay, so. Who, who led them in assists? Just out of curiosity. I don't know. And also, Harry Kane might have had all, more goals in all competitions. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. 
probably don't hurts. look too closely. Don't look too closely. Just just look as close as I want you to look. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we all Chelsea finishing third. That was just always what was going to happen. I mean, they they kind of stumbled down the down the home stretch and, and made it like it was mathematically possible that they they could finish outside, but then they wrapped it up with like three games left or something. But like, I mean. I know he did a great job with Champions League the year before, but I think there are. I think I think we're starting to see that occasionally the emperor has no clothes with uh, Tuchel. Talk about the last Met soccer manager on earth I'd want to see without clothes too. He's got the like. <laughs> no, I got I got to be. Big Sam is the last manager on earth I want to see with no clothes. No, I'd rather see Big Sam naked because I'll see less with Big Sam because when <laughs> you start getting fat, then the overhand more more is less. Whereas like Tuchel, he just looks like emaciated. Oh baby, Harry Kane led the led their led Tottenham in assists, so he clearly he statistically was their primary playmaker with Son clearly being the primary goal scorer. Yeah, no, I, I just didn't know you were so beholden to goals and assists after the talk that we had. <laughs> As you can see, Eric and I will quickly reverse positions to support I will, I will throw all pretense aside that I just used to build um, a take. I'll throw it all aside to win my next take. Who scored the most goals in all competitions? Well, um, to be fair, with, with the system I'm using... It doesn't show an all comp stat, so I can't. I can't resp- be, I can't responsibly give you those numbers because they'd be wrong. We're gonna. We're gonna circle back to this at some point. I, I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, city, a city draw. They're good going into this. Liverpool would need a win and a city loss, and. Things were going in a way. Would a draw? Would a draw and a and a win have done it? Was it? They were two points back, so they needed they needed to make up three points. Is that what it was? No, sorry, they were one point back. So City because winning City, your C- in. City kind of stumbled earlier. Yes, yeah. yes. So City winning your in. If both teams drew, City still in. Yeah. Liverpool law. Liverpool win, City draw, Liverpool's in. Yeah. Setting it up. Everyone for the last two months, and I mean Liverpool fans who are actual fans, all the fake Liverpool fans the media has generated, and just the entire soccer world been like, Whoa, wouldn't it be something if Steven Gerrard and Aston Villa could beat Man City on the final day? And give Liverpool a title. Oh, Steven Gerrard will finally win a title. Steven Gerrard and Philip Coutinho. Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed like it was going to go that way when Aston Villa took a two-zero lead. It, it it seemed like it did. It did seem like Steven Gerrard put out a more competitive lineup and strategy against City than he did against Liverpool the week before. However, important this drama. Wolves didn't play ball. Because in the third minute, they fucking scored, baby. So it was like, oh, doesn't matter as long as... And, and it was a long time until Liverpool equalized in the 24th minute, right? So that game's 1-1. Then City go down two goals. So now you're thinking, well, shit. <laughs> if you're me. Yes, yeah, yeah. this is clearly you being Donald. <laughs> yeah. 
So, luckily, in a five-minute span, City score three goals to win 3-2. Big, big Ilkay Gundogan energy in, in this game. Yeah, big brace. And obviously, I'm not, listen, I'm not happy that City won the title. But, but your, world, your, world, your world isn't collapsing around you. I had to guarantee that this quad didn't fucking happen above all else. Not only the quad, but like, if you don't win the league, you can't even, like, I don't care if you win three cups, you can't win the treble if you don't win your league. Exactly. So, it was a dramatic last day. City pulled it out. They have won the Premier League four of the last five times. They're really fucking good. They have the, they have the most money, and they buy the best team. So, yeah. That's gonna oh, be- and now they just added one of the top three most pr- prolific strikers, like, and, and, and the most promising striker moving into the next generation. They just added him for, like, what, 70 million pounds? Yeah. Cool. So, it was weird. It was a weird thing because it was, like, I was happy that Liverpool weren't going to like all this talk of the quad, yeah, 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 all that. That made me happy. And, it, and you know what? If it was just the Liverpool fans who were saying that in that talk, you know, fair play to them. I hate them, but they, they can support their team. I won't forget them that. It yeah. was like the neutrals who were cheering for this that was disgusting to me. It, this is not this is not the SEC football where you cheer for your conference. This is, if it's not my team, fucking die. And, and even, that, even that's fucked. Even that's gross to me. It's disgusting. So, but then it's like, you feel dirty about it. Because it's like, but at what cost, Donald? Pep, bald fucking head in City winning another league? And where's Man U in all of this? Thankfully, Brighton beat West Ham, so we finished sixth and not seventh. That's literally what saved us. If, if, if West Ham had showed up and beaten Brighton, we're seventh. We ain't even, we're fucking conference league boys. So, it's just like, there was that moment when I realized why I was happy and then I looked into my own self where I just really hated myself. Yeah, it's tough, man. And, yeah. That's all I have to say about the Premier League. I mean, I'd say from the title to top four and all the way down to relegation, they all came down to the final day and that's fun. Uh, It's not something that we've seen... I don't know when the last time we saw all three of those things decide on the final day in, in the Premier League. Uh, so fun to see there. Um, and you know what, Donnie? It's a new season now. Why you would think that that would excite me? Is... Because bald manager. He's like sixth on my power rankings. He's not very good. I know. This is the he's first only one spot. He's only one spot below Pep. Yeah, think but... about that. Think yeah. about that. <laughs> I'll say this: it's the first time that both Manchester clubs have had a bald manager. It's also the first time that both hosts of this podcast have had bald managers. <laughs> so I guess bald is truly beautiful. Oh, oh! I, I know this section doesn't really relate to the Premier League, but. I think this will kick us on into our next one. Interesting, interesting coincidence and a stat. Uh, champions of Italy 
champions of France and champions of Spain all had an identical record this season. Oh. Let's talk about the champions of Spain. There we go. Real which, kind of, which was which was we we've we've potted previously since yeah. it was uh, was known and determined. Yeah, so Real Madrid won, Barca finished second, Atletico third, and Sevilla bait out Real Betis and fuck I was cheering for Real Betis because they had a hell of a season this season. Yeah. They, yeah. That's our La Liga talk. Um That's my La Liga me, talk. Yeah. You know. Bundesliga, take it away. I mean, once again, <laughs> We've we've known for how long how the uh, the title was going to to play oh, out. I knew how the title for this Bundesliga was going to play out four years ago. On <laughs> our first podcast episode, right? Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey Donnie, uh, early predictions on who's going to win the league next season? A Bundesliga? Yeah, uh, I'm going to take Bayern Munich. Yeah, I I, I think so too, <laughs> uh, and that's why it's the boring Liga. That being said, you know, and then also near the second half of the season. Dortmund kind of pulled away into some safety with uh, top four finish in second. Hey, nobody Lever can in. finish in second place quite like Borussia Dortmund. <laughs> That's why they're always a candidate for Cuck of the Year. Though I guess oh, now, yeah. I guess now Jao Felix is a candidate for Cuck of the Year. <laughs> oh. uh, Leverkusen finished in third. And then the real entry kind of came on that fourth spot. Late Leipzig... Um, you know, kind of toiling around seventh, sixth, bouncing up to fourth, dropping down to fifth, that kind of stuff. Ended, Leipzig ended up in fourth place on 58 points, only one point ahead of Union Berlin, and only uh, three points, one game ahead of Freiburg. So, you know, they kind of, I think, also lucked in in the final couple of games where those teams ended up dropping points, uh, requiring less from Leipzig, who didn't, who didn't win all those games to close out. Yeah. Augsburg stayed up, which is good because Pepe will stay up. Yeah, yeah. Interesting note that Sh- both Schalke and Werder Bremen came back up, and given how things didn't work out, haven't worked out so well for Josh Sargent or Matthew Hoppe with their respective new clubs, and both those teams getting relegated. Actually, you yeah, maybe, you they... maybe want there, maybe there's something to be said about sticking it out in a second tier European league. Hey. Especially at that kind of young, unproven stage, too. They could have gotten some pretty valuable minutes uh, and potentially bagged some goals, built some confidence, worked on their game. Uh, you know, Hoppy's in a situation in Mallorca where he's just not playing. He's not making the match day squad. I do think they stayed up, but, like, that doesn't, it doesn't really mean... Oh, you're right. They did. It was Getafe who went down. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Norwich got relegated. So like started. a goal differential of minus 50. Yeah. Uh, all right. Oh, oh, I will because I mean I, I don't think we carved out specific time for the Europa League, but Eintracht Frankfurt had a hell of a run in the Europa League and ended up beating Rangers uh, to not just you know cap off an incredible season uh, where their fans dominated every location. They they made Xavi complain uh, because they swarmed fucking Barcelona. Uh, away at Barcelona and upset, you know, some pretty solid teams. I think they, they took down Leicester, uh, I, uh, sorry, took down West Ham in the semis and did the same thing, just flooded the streets of London with uh, with Frankfurt fans. So they'll be in Champions League next season, uh, which is just kind of funny because they finished in the bottom half of the Bundesliga this year. 
Also, I will say what's awesome is that Timmy Chandler, who plays for Frankfurt, is a Europa League champion. Though, I'm sure you will give him the same disrespect that you gave Timmy Ream. I'm the one that wanted to call out Eintracht Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. We didn't build in time for this, but Jose Mourinho, back to his winning ways at Roma. I, I know. He, he won the, uh, the, the inaugural conference league. Which now it makes did. him in his career five and zero in European finals, which is something. That is something. It is something. But like, there's all these graphics that have been floating around as first manager to win Champions League, Europa League, and Conference League, and it's like, is that the brag that you think it is? It's not. It's cool, and it's a it's an accomplishment, but it's an accomplishment that doesn't shine as bright. No, no, it's not going to shine that bright no matter how much you polish it. It's not winning the Champions League with Porto in 2004. That was... Oh. I mean, that's crowned. like... Yeah. Some will it's say not it's winning trouble. the treble with Inter. Yeah. Those are his two crowning achievements. Uh, one's more impressive than the other, and it's the Porto one, but that's fine. Well, yeah. Wesley Schneider carried that treble team. Yeah. And I'm sticking by that. Wait. And, I mean, it, it, yeah. it, speaking it, of that treble team, can we... We forgot this... Can we talk about scumbag Samuel Eto not paying any child support and just like, I don't know, that's maybe something I wouldn't be so fucking open about. He's just so nonchalant about it. He's like, yeah, fuck him. I mean, like, basically, that's what he said. Yeah, it, it, it's fuck them kids, basically. <laughs> I'm sorry. The inter-trouble made me think of Samuel Eto. Also, so retroactively, his 2009 Champions League final goal against Man U shouldn't count if he didn't pay <laughs> child support. So really, if he doesn't score on the 10th minute, who knows how that game goes. <sighs> I, think that's how, I think that's how it works. I think that's just science. Okay, speaking of Champions League, we have to talk about the second legs and then the final. So the first leg from City Real was a electric factory. 4-3 win for City. And it truly did not feel like that game would be beaten in the second leg, but wow, was I wrong. <laughs> Riyad Mahrez scores in the 73rd minute. City are up 5-3 on aggregate. The clock keeps ticking. We're at the 90th minute. The game is basically <laughs> over. Manchester City will be going to the Champions League final. Uh, Rodrigo... <laughs> who was a sub, by the way, Carlo Ancelotti. I mean, he uses that first half, he uses that first leg, and he just learns, and then he makes all the adjustments. Rodrigo scores two goals in less than two minutes. Reminiscent <laughs> reminiscent of Man United 1999 Champions League final, scoring two goals in the last few minutes of the game to win the whole thing, to force the extra time, though, now here. Pep... The look on Pep's face on the second run. You think the first one, it's like, okay, they're not going to get a second, though. Like, it's still Yeah, over. yeah. It's like, you know what? Like, we would have liked to just cl- uh, close it out, but it took them this long to get that first goal, so we're, we're, we'll be safe. Wrong. Rodrigo later. gets a second goal. It is just pandemonium in extra time. And, of course, what happens in extra time? The most obvious Benzema wins the most obvious penalty you'll see, and what does he do in a big moment? He puts it away, and he has and been. How, do, how does he put it away? He did the panaka. 
talk the, the about the balls on Ben's. I mean, those are some golden balls. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those balloons de or. Wow, just wow! What and a game that it, was. It was it was absolutely incredible. I mean, what what two games? Like both the like the first leg, the second leg. It was just. What game did Real play in the knockout stage of this tournament that just wasn't fun as shit? They were in Electric Factory. It just, I don't know. It's like Carlo Ancelotti and Kareem Benzema and Vinicius Jr. Those three guys are just like, they're the perfect, they're all three perfect for each other because they all can just do things that drop your job. And and they they are they're afforded that luxury. It's less Carlo, but more <laughs> Benz and Vinicius uh, afforded that luxury because you've got three experienced stalwart midfielders holding it fucking down in Cruz, Modric, and Casemiro. Yeah, the three of them all complement each other so well too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Villarreal gave it a go. Made it interesting. Made it interesting. Unai Emery, I think getting to the semi, I think he has, he should hold his hell up high getting the semifinals. What a, what a run. I still think he's a genius in cups. Junas had a managed cup. And so that set up Real Madrid, Liverpool. Kareem Benzema against Mo Salah, for many people thought would be the Ballon d'Or. Klopp versus Don Carlo. I mean, ooh. Which that matchup is what people people were like. You know, a lot of people think Klopp is is the top manager in the game right now, and Carlo was that some say a decade ago, two decades ago. Only one of these two managers is on Mount Rushmore of manage, of, of club managers. Yep, and it's Don fucking Carlo. Yep. You know. It's just Real Madrid win the fucking Champions League. Oh, uh, we were watching. What we, they do? I was watching at a soccer bar, and there were a lot. There were a lot of fans of both teams, but there were a lot of Liverpool fans around us. And you know, I, I was having a lot of fun when um, Mane would blow a shot over the post. I'd be like, "He's gonna be so good for, for Bayern Munich next year." Uh, and same thing, or like. The Bundesliga goalposts are taller, so that actually might go in uh, next year for him. Just kind of get into the egg. But, like, you know, Liverpool fans were feeling great early on. They were pressing. They were getting some challenges. And a bunch of people that I was watching with kind of all under agreement that, like, Liverpool could need five, six quality chances to score. Real Madrid only needed one half chance. And that first half is exactly how that played out. Mane and Salah couldn't really get their best opportunities on target. The things they did get on target, Courtois stepped up big, had a great game. Um, and honestly, at halftime, it should have been nothing. That, I did not agree with the VAR call to take away Benz's goal, personally. I was – that is the – okay. We're going to talk and explain the offsides rule because – okay. The offsides rule is that you cannot be past – the last two players from the opposing team without the ball being there. Generally, the rule translates to you can't be past the last defender because the goal, like, 
there's very rare situations where you're past the goalie. Yep. But we had that situation here where Benzema was past the goalie, but there was a there was a Liverpool there was a Liverpool defender still in front of there Benzema. There was one one defender, but but no the goalie wasn't and no other defender was. So by the offsides ruling, he was offsides. But Donald, offsides does not come into play when the defending team intentionally plays the ball back. Back, yeah, intentionally plays the ball back. I, 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 direction that don't think technically matters, but like the only direction it could matter is back. Yeah. yeah. Um, Thank you. To which I believe it was. Fabinho? Yes. Intentionally played the ball from his near shin. Intentionally played it away. He intentionally made a tackle. Yeah. Thus, he intentionally played the ball. But but not not only after the tackle, he maneuvered his leg to play the ball away from the standstill position that it was in, and he played it right to Benz. He He wanted, Fabinho wanted the ball to not be where it was. He made a play on the ball. He successfully made a play on the ball. It, he moved the ball to not where it was. He moved the ball to Benzema. That was it, atrocious. Honestly, I like the the only logic that I could come away with was they mistakenly applied the logic about like how do you determine what's a back pass that the keeper cannot pick up, right? Because that if you play it off of a part of your body that's not your foot, the keeper can pick it up. And it's almost like that was the rule that they, they applied. They're like, Fabinho did not play the ball with his foot directly to to Benzema. He did intentionally play it. That's all that matters. That's, that, so offside is no longer in effect. Yep. It, the fact that he's in an offside position is completely nullified. That was a good goal. That was bullshit. And I thought, was- and I thought Liverpool's going to win this thing, and it's going to be that bullshit call I'm going to have to think about forever. So I and like like going into halftime, I had a different thought. I was like, you know what? As a as a, a somebody supporting uh, Madrid, I feel really good about where this game is right now. I guarantee you, Liverpool fans also like. I, I bet both teams feel better than that. They feel like they should, they're in a better spot than their opponents are. Yeah. I think both teams felt that way. And honestly, it's like this game is playing out exactly like we said. Liverpool need so many more chances than Real do. Real already capitalized on one, but like. Got unlucky. Uh, Courtois looking solid. They only need one more half chance, and this game could be over for like Real could 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 bag it. So like, didn't feel like it was guaranteed or anything. But I was like, I I, I was I was confident in Real. That I think Liverpool had to score in the first half if they were gonna have a chance to win this game. And in the first fifteen minutes of the second half. This guy, you know, Benzema has deservedly taken a lot of points and shine, but for every Batman, there is a Robin. For every Michael Jordan, there is a Scottie Pippen. And and for every Robin, there is an Alfred. For every Scottie Pippen, there is a Steve Kerr. Because you're 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 talking about your boy, who's Batman, who's Robin. Oh, Vinicius Junior's Robin. Yes, obviously, Benz is Batman. Yeah. It is, is Michael Jordan. Is Carlo Ancelotti Alfred? No, who played the ball to Robin? It was Valverde. Yes. That's your Alfred. That's the Alfred in this in this game. Uh, because Ben's, I think Ben's played the ball to Valverde yeah. on the break. Uh, and then obviously occupies some defenders. But 
is not super involved, the Vinicius puts on the fucking afterburners and, uh, you know, the English press's golden boy of a fullback just falls the fuck asleep. Yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold just he falls asleep. Uh, in the entire run, like, he, he loses his man. And then a great cross from Valverde right to Vinicius far enough away from the keeper, from Allison, and bing, bang, boom. And then after that, Don Carlo knew that, you know, you know what, you just see it through. Courtois was fucking incredible the rest of that game before that. I mean, he... He could prove his value in that game big time. Just an incredible performance, and it ends with Liverpool as or um, as, as with Liverpool as losers. No quad. By the way, remember the quad? What did they get up out of that? An FA Cup and a fuck- two domestic two domestic cups. Two domestic cups. The motherfucking Carabao Cup. The fucking quad. Oh, please um, and please. And Liverpool failed to in. in- uh, so 90 from this game, right? And then 120 from both the other two games. So, what, 240 and 330 minutes of, of cup finals, they scored zero goals. That vaunted Liverpool offense. Hey, how many cup final goals, non-penalty, do you think Mo Salah has scored? Is it, is it less than one? Is it zero? Wow. The biggest... Although, like, we can't, we can't blame him for not scoring in the uh, Champions League final against Real a couple of years ago. He got like, he got like taken out early. No, yeah, Sergio Ramos made a legitimate play for the ball, <laughs> and Mo Salah's body was too weak <laughs> Dude, to handle the content. We all agree with what happened there. It was a very good play on the ball. All right, all right. <laughs> Revision's history is always fun and is not a danger to democracy at all. Um, but, yeah, it was unreal. I think the Ballon d'Or is just, it's Kareem's. It's, it's got to be Vince. It, it, it is so deserved. This is, a, this is a guy I have been very high on. It's, he was so underrated for so long in his career because of Ronaldo. Being there, but I, I always talked about with you how he did. He does. He did so many things that helped elevate everything. Everything you want a striker to do, he and, can do it. We we usually talk about the strikers that do that are the ones that struggle to finish. By the way, he does that too. The only yeah. thing, the only, like the most frustrating, the two frustrating things about him: his amateur uh, film career <laughs> as a as a as a video video videographer. That, that's frustrating. And sometimes he doesn't convert like the easy chances for play. Yeah, like the know, Almost like they're a little, those are a little boring for him now. Yeah. If, if, it's, if it's like impressive to spectacular, the odds of him converting it go up even though like the expected conversion rate should... Yeah. He, 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 he likes a little bit of a challenge. Um, He's spicy like that. But... And then kind of to wrap all this up, Jurgen Klopp is has won one Champions League final, has lost three, and the it's, one he won was against Tottenham. It's Tottenham. And they got a penalty in the fifth minute. Yeah. Um, against fucking Poach, the all-time choke artist. Hey, Poch won a, uh, a league title this season. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, Don Carlo... 
Champions League number four. Two different Champions League titles with two different clubs as a manager. Also has a European Cup title as a player. That... Put some respect on that man's name. Yeah, and also, Everton fans, you guys were unhappy with him? Well, he, he stopped <laughs> Liverpool from winning another champion. Dude, he, so he, made a comment, he made a comment about that. Yeah, because uh, he's fucking awesome. And he, he's hilarious. Pato came out recently and said that he used to show up to training in Milan in a helicopter piloted by, his, by wife. his wife. Dude, so not only is Carlo a G, but so is his wife. That the Ancelotti's as a family just big dick energy throughout. He is firmly, firmly on the Mount Rushmore of soccer managers. I, I'd say there are two automatics in the Mount Rushmore of all time club managers that I will not I will not entertain anybody leaving them off. Don Carlo and Sir Alex Ferguson. Yep. Agreed. Those other two happy to entertain I think the other two there's a lot of debate a lot of fair debate but I completely agree club managers those are the first two those are the two that if they're not on your list then you're either a Liverpool City Inter Juventus fan it is fun that it's the legendary managers of our two clubs yes that's fun that's fun for us that is fun for us unfortunately it's a little more fun for you doesn't really help us right now, for sure. It didn't help me the last couple of years. No, no, no. It's fun for you, too, though, because, like, your team is good now. For me, my entire existence is in the past. I actually am not here with us now. I'm reliving 1993 to 2013, the first 20 years of my life. In fact, Eric, I ha- I'll prepare this for another time, but I looked at the titles once by Manu since the day I met you. Versus the titles won by Manu's two rivals since the day I met you. When you compare that to the data of my lifetime of the titles won by Manu before I met you and the titles won by our two rivals, it is undeniable the impact that you've had. So, here's a counter. No. Here's a counter. <laughs> no, I no. Let's wind the clocks back two weeks. If we, if I looked up titles won by Milan during my life before I met you, and titles won by Milan during my life after I met you, you might you might have more titles during your your first you know nineteen years or whatever than I did, but you would have I think had one more title than I did up until now, because Milan had only won one title since I met you, and it was that fucking Super Cup that doesn't count. And you guys won your Europa, Europa League since we knew each other. Well, we, we won the Premier League since we knew each other, too. Yeah. So, like, so honestly, motherfucker, we're, even with this title now from Milan, we're pretty fucking even. How are we even? Yours happened a week ago. Mine happened nine years ago, asshole. There's nothing even about it. It's the most fucked up thing in the world. Well, because here's my point. You know, we... We often talk about these in sports, things are cycles, right? And that's more so in like the salary cap world than than in, in, in soccer as much. But like, yeah, dude, don't talk about that salary cap communist. Milan, Milan were Milan were were further gone longer, like like er, earlier than United, right? So you're just a few years behind us. 
Well, you're, it, you know, you're right, because a, a few years ago, you guys signed the bald manager, and now we have our bald guy. The only difference is we we almost brought in uh, Ralph Ragnick, but then turned him away before actually signing him. That's where the big divergence is, and the problem for you is that was really recent for you guys. Why did you have to fucking bring up Ralph? Everything was good. It, it blows my mind. Dude, we, we had a, a preliminary agreement with Ragnick at the start of the next season. He was going to come in and be the everything. And then we had to fire our manager because he was batshit bad and brought in Pioli to just stem the tide. And he did so well that they were like, nah, fuck off, Ralph. <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's just so many parallels to our two clubs over these past like seven years and they have not been good parallels and the parallels are now firmly ended for now this is unfortunately own goal podcast <laughs> you can find us on twitter at own goal pod instagram at own goal pod you can email us own goal pod at gmail.com um Try to convince your friends to get into soccer and then share this podcast with them. Grow the game. Now, Now's a good time to do a little evangelizing uh, to get people kind of, you know, at least tentatively following some of the stuff this summer with the U.S. team or, or whatever national team they may be inclined to support, uh, which, you know, we're leaning U.S., obviously. Um. And then also can kind of get them into maybe some of like the Premier League or some of the other big league stuff leading to the World Cup and then really catch fire in the World Cup. So now if, if, if you want to you know have some friends you think would be really, really excited by the World Cup if they can just give it a chance, now is the time to lay in that groundwork. And yeah. this podcast is a horrible way of doing that, but what better what better resources do you have? True. True. And when you have no one else you can always come to us. <laughs> Bye. Bye. It's a, it's a goal. It's a gift. Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. Got no chance to the keeper.